Good morning again, Journey. It's my great privilege to get to introduce our speaker here this morning, Neil Preston. Uh, Neil and I actually met at a training conference about two years ago, and it didn't take us very long to figure out that we had some connections to Bozeman, Montana. Neil actually spent part of his life growing up here in Bozeman, and we realized that his mom, Rebecca, uh, was a part of our church here in Bozeman, and so that was really fun to realize that part of that connection. Uh, But what really, I feel like, knit our hearts together was over the last two years, we've been a part of a a coaching call together. And during that, I've had the opportunity to really hear Neil's heart for ministry and his strategy around ministry. And every time I hear him talk, I just think his heart beats for the things, not only that my heart beats for, but that my church family's heart beats for. And so that's why we've invited Neil to be a part of what we're doing here today. He is actually on vacation with his wife, Amy, and their three children. But this this is, this is not vacation necessarily for pastors, but he loves to share his heart for God and his heart for the word. And so we're really, really excited to have Neil Preston with us. So let's give a big Journey Church welcome to Neil Preston. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it is really, really good to be here with you. I said earlier, I've lived in the shadow of an amazing church called Journey for a really long time. My mom started attending uh, services here about all, uh, 10 and a half years ago. And so my wife and I, my family, we planted or pioneered a church about six years ago uh, in California. I won't say that word too many times here because we're in Montana and I've done that before. And I realize the mistakes you make when you actually uh, say California too often in, in Montana. Um, so but my family actually 30 years ago uh, came here uh, from California, and, uh, and my grandpa was, he was a Western artist, uh, kind, you know, kind of known in the area. His name was Larry Zabel. So the last time that I stood on this stage was October 6th, and it was actually for, it was October 6th, I believe, of 2012, right, Mom? Um, which uh, was his, his uh, memorial service. And I tell you what, Journey Church has had an impact on my family, on my life in many different ways. Um, I, you know, the, the DNA, I believe, that established this uh, congregation, something that our heart absolutely resonates and connects with. I, uh, I went to Harrison School um, in third and fourth grade. Yeah, I saw some Harrison people around earlier. I went to uh, Wilson, I believe, in, uh, oh, it might have been, I, sorry, I'm 35 now. I am. I'm getting old. I believe it was second grade. And then uh, Ennis, I was at Ennis, uh, a Mustang actually, uh, in fifth grade. And about that time, um, I, I, I turned around 12 years old. And my dad, he was a, a grocery guy um, in, in California. And, and five generations of groceries, you know, it, it, I would be the fifth generation. God called me to distribute food of a different type, though. I no longer am in the grocery store. Um, so I moved from Montana about the age of 12 back to California and, uh, and love, I truly mean this, when we pull in uh, to Bozeman, it feels like home to us. So thank you for welcoming us and for having us here. Uh, it's really our pleasure. I wanted to um, open with just, I, I know we've prayed a lot, but hopefully you guys will be okay with me saying one more prayer. I'd really like to invite God just to speak to us through his word today. So if you would uh, bow your heads with me. Uh, Jesus, you are the king of life and the king of the church. And so I thank you for being our teacher. I thank you for being our companion and our friend. I I pray today, Lord, for every person here, no matter where they're at, what they are struggling with, what relationship struggles there may be, financial struggles, whatever they are, I pray hope would rise as people begin to hear who it is that you are and the grace that you bestow on your people. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right. Well, um, you know, the heartbeat, I believe, of, of the gospel, and that word gospel simply means good news. You know, the good news that we've heard is that Jesus Christ, he left heaven and came to earth. I'm going to read a passage here in a moment that describes that. And the whole purpose, I believe, behind him leaving heaven and coming to earth is this simple word that you and I call relationship. It's relationship. God wanted to have relationship with you and I, so he, he built this bridge that crossed every barrier, right? There, there are bridges, and what bridges do is they get you from one part of, of, a, of a land to another, right? Well, we're calling the other side of the bridge common ground, right? He, Jesus, was the bridge builder that left heaven, came to earth, and he established this common ground with us, and he enabled us to be able to even hear or think or know God in the intimate way that we have opportunity to know God. In order for him to do that, though, he had to cross barriers, barriers of all types, social barriers, economic barriers. He, he crossed the barrier between heaven and earth in order that you and I can have a true, uh, authentic, transparent, unified relationship with both God and man, right? Or woman, right? So I want to read a passage to you, and um, it's from, from Philippians chapter 2. It's verses 5 through 11, and starting at verse 5, it says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's kind of a tall order, isn't it? You know, having the same mindset as Christ Jesus, it goes on to say, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So we're supposed to have this type of mindset in our relationships. We're not supposed to be people who exercise our authority as some maybe bosses would or God forgive I think I may have done this to my children. Only two of them are here right now. The other one said, Dad, I can't listen to you a single other time. I've got to go to the kids program. <laughs> She's our social butterfly. As a father, I could exude my authority, right? And I can say, well, why do I, why don't, because I said so, right? Jesus came to this earth not with that mentality. He came to this earth with a different mentality. The mentality goes on to say, rather than lording over people, verse seven says, rather he made himself nothing. Wait, the king of all kings made himself nothing. Being made in human likeness, the deity took on the form of the dirty, we were made from dirt, right? And deity who breathed life into us came here to breathe life into us once again. And he says in verse, or the scripture says in verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, coming, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, right? So we, we look at symbols like this cross and we've heard Christian messages and we've, but the, the cross is a message that should never leave the church. Have you guys Heard that before? I hope you have. The cross is essential because what Jesus did on that cross is he conquered death. The very barrier of relationship, the very thing that kept us from having true relationship with, with each other was sin and death. And what he did by his lifeblood is extinguish death. It's so awesome. He broke through the barrier and he built the bridge. So he left heaven and came to earth and he did this and he established on this earth, on our ground, what we would call common ground. 
And then it says in verse 9 through 11, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and he gave him a name that is above every name. You know, there's no name higher than the name of Jesus. I worked in this little grocery store. I was 19 in a, in a place called San Luis Obispo, California. Groceries are in my blood, right? So where do I go to work? I go to a grocery store. And it's this little store, and there's a gentleman in there, and he just swore to me up and down, I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist, over and over again. And I respect people's beliefs. I don't try to force anything on anyone. You're here today at a Christian church, so I'm assuming you want me to talk about Jesus. And so... Uh, I wouldn't do that with him necessarily, but he would kind of poke around and ask questions. Well, one day he drops this can of green beans from the top shelf and it lands right on his big toe. You want to know the name he yelled out at the top of his lungs throughout that store? (laughs) He yelled out, Jesus beep, because I mean, it was, I grew up like that. You don't say it like that. You know what I mean? He screams it through this whole place. And I literally, I poke my head around the other aisle and I'm like, hey man, what'd you just yell? And he's like, I yelled Jesus Christ. And I'm like, well, why? He's like, because it seems to work better. I'm like, see, it's the name above all names. This is his name. And, it, and that's the reality of it. And at that very name of Jesus, there will come a day, no matter who we are, that every single one of our knees will hit the ground and say, you are God. That's common ground too. We'll all find our common spot on our knees. My prayer, the prayer of the, the church here, and I believe many, is that we would find our knees long before that day. There are a couple very important passages uh, to, to the Christian church. And, and one of them is called the Great Command. The other is called the Great Commission. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. This is where we find the Great Command. Now, many of us remember the Ten Commandments and all of those different things, but it'd be very hard for most of us to actually repeat what they were, right? So Jesus is like, hey, saw people were struggling with it. Let me go ahead and break this down for you. I'll sum it up here with a couple of thoughts is what he says. And so he's, he reads, or this reads in verse 37 to 40, uh, love the Lord your God with all of of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, right? There's a, an additional passage that says uh, to, uh, with your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself, okay? So here's this, I want you to hear inside of this relationship, relationship, relationship. Because that's what Jesus came to bring us was real relationship with God and each other, Unfortunately, oftentimes in churches, we miss the authenticity of relationship, both with God and each other, and we make it about tradition and religion really quickly. And so when we miss the mark of relationship and the reality of why we exist is to be an authentic, transparent relationship with God and man, we've kind of missed the entire point. And verse uh, 40 says, and all of the law and prophets hang on these two commands, meaning they're summed up. If you want to really follow after God, you don't have to remember thou shalt not this and that. All you need to remember All you need to remember is love God and love people because it's about relationship. Do you agree with me? Good, I'm just talking through the Bible here. Um, So 
Matthew chapter 28 uh, then goes on to say it's the great commission. You know, I'm a business guy. I come from, the, the, from a business background. I love business, and I love the fact that Jesus actually invites you and I into a co-mission with him. So we've been commissioned, if we're the church, to do a certain thing. But it's not that he's leaving us to do it alone. He's actually saying, I will be with you, right? I will be with you until the very end of the age. I'm on a co-mission with you. What a better business partner, right? Than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Then it goes on to say, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He knows how to use his authority and now he's empowering other people, and that's what good leaders do. They don't exude authority over them, but they empower people with authority, and Jesus is a great leader. Verse 19 says, then go for, or therefore go, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, going back to the great command, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We've probably heard that passage before. Some of you, that may be a first time. But here's the reality, and if there's ever a single time that I would stand on a stage and talk about Jesus and and scripture, ever a time, our hope is that you would leave here full of hope. Hope, to me, is the confident expectation that good is in your future. I think some of you have come into this place today like, man, if I have to bear one more conversation with that boss, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Or man, I have to sit, and this is unfortunate, but relationship struggle. If I have to, I'm just gonna, one chair in between us is fine today, right? (laughs) That's never happened to Amy and I, not a single time in the 15 years we've been married. Just kidding, and now I'm lying from right where I'm at. See, the reality is, is that we need hope and that each of us needs to feel inspired to actually want to go out and live the plan that God has for our lives. It's not just a, uh, an all right plan. His plan for your life is huge and you're an important piece of the puzzle and there is no one like you. So you fit and there's a place for you and hope should totally be rising in your heart right now if you can hear the words that I'm saying. So how are we gonna fulfill this great command and this great commission and what are we gonna do? Well, we have to be people who build bridges. We have to build a bridge to every single person. If you're a Christian in the room and that means you house the Holy Spirit, if you're not a bridge builder, then we need to begin to work on that. Because what you're called to do is to build a bridge to the people in your community. And, and you're, you're called to create common ground. You're not called to build the bridge to say, hey, community, come here. Come here and hang out with us here in this building. I want to honor what God's done here with this place. And again, I've watched it through my family. I sat with, with Pastor Brian three or four years ago. And he shared the vision of what the commons is. It was very easy to talk about common ground today because of the vision that established this church. 
And so I want to affirm what it is that God's doing here and say, oh man, there is big plans for this church. There really is big plans for this church. It's not just going to stay like this. What this church will do as you begin to hear the heart of God, seriously, what it will do is it will begin to take off, but it's not going to do that because the pastors got more spiritual. It's going to do that because the people got real serious. That's why. And I, don't, I think I'm talking to a room full of serious people, so how do we do it? How do we get more serious than that? Let's think of for a second about this common ground thought. Jesus was the master at this. You ever heard the story of the woman at the well? You know, the woman at the well, Jesus violated cultural barriers when he sat with the woman at the well. He sat down First of all, with a woman, that was a major cultural no-no, right? He, he crossed the Jewish line and, and sat there, and what did that well become? It became a common place, a common ground, and that common ground was essential to relationship. Let's think a little bit further into that. There's a passage that says it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick who need a doctor, Jesus in Luke 15, he begins to instruct the church to not, uh, in, and we interpret it this way, to not just be people who sit in the comforts of our own buildings and organizations and all of those kinds of things. Um, he said that he was going to leave the 99 in this illustration and, and go and find the one to seek and to save that which was lost. See, if he didn't do that for you and I, guess where we would be? We would not be found. And if the church just took the comfort that we've been given from God and stayed in our cozy culture, then we would never accomplish the great purposes that God has for us. And he has some amazing purposes for us. See, life's not as satisfying when you're not fulfilling his plan for you. And some of you may be hearing this today and go, wow, I've never really thought of the fact that I am an intricate part of this plan that God has to change this community. But you are. You really are. Each and every person here who calls themselves a Christian is. And I hope there are some today who actually would say, you know what? I'm hearing something today that makes me want to partner with the purposes of God and not just call people into a building, but send people out of a building to go establish common ground. One of the coolest things going on around here is the YMCA deal out there. Seriously, how awesome. That vision is awesome. Why? Because there are people all over this community who need to be partnered with and who need to be supported. And you know, this thought about common ground, it doesn't mean that you have everything in common with the people that you're serving. I think that a lot of times our society does that. Well, because we like you know, this, 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 and this, then we can hang out together and that is our common ground. Nope. Common ground is one simple thing. You have one thing in common and you make that your common ground. And you can have common ground in so many different ways. One of the things that we're experiencing right now in our community, two weeks ago, uh, we had a fire blaze through our community and burn 300 homes completely to the ground. My neighbor's barely missed the house that my family lived in for 10 years. Here's what we could have chosen to do. We could have chosen to put up our flags and say, 
come one, come all to our church services on Sunday. And some did, but that's not what we chose to do. What we chose to do is to step outside of the comfort of the building and to do these three things, build a bridge to every person, outlast the adrenaline, and get extremely dirty with people. We had hundreds of people just going out and digging through ashes, finding World War I bayonets that the, that the uh, community, or not the community, the county was going to have to come in and scrape up and dump. See, it's essential that we find ways to relate with people exactly where they are. And I guarantee you this, Jesus is looking for a way to relate with you exactly where you are in your marriage with your children, with your finances. When you call on his mighty name, he will show up and he will meet you where you are. He won't make you run all the way back to him. And the church has to do the same. Can you hear me? Awesome. Guys, remember, I like creating awkward moments. It's one of my favorite things to do. I, you know, until about seven or eight, I grew up in, in a Sunday school class. And uh, there was a song about Zacchaeus. Anyone remember this song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? That was more rappy, like California style. I get it. <laughs> but see, here, here's the thing. Uh, I just created a common ground moment. We all felt really silly, huh? The, you know, the, the thing about Zacchaeus is he was a despised person by society. He was a tax collector. He was um, a friend of sinners. Even the sinners didn't like Zacchaeus. And so, so then Jesus is cruising by and Zacchaeus is just yearning to see the son of God because there's a something missing inside of him. And he knows that. And so he, he sees Jesus coming and then, and then ends up having an interaction with Jesus. And what Jesus says, uh, he, he invites Jesus into his home. And Jesus says, absolutely. And what Jesus did at that moment was violate cultural barriers. Because guess who was extremely mad that, that he determined to do that? It would have been the church of the day. Extremely upset. And so he breaks the barriers of what the church said was normal. And he went into this place and he hung out with drunkards, right? Prostitutes, sinners, and tax collectors. And I almost confidently could guarantee you this, that if Jesus were hanging out somewhere right now, it would be someplace very similar. Now, here's a bit of a challenge that I want to bring to us because we as Americans, really do love comfort and cozy. And that's not a bad thing, because I do too. But here's the reality, is that if we don't uh, feel comfortable moving outside of our cultural barriers and finding any way to reach the people in our community, we're going to miss the call of God on his church. And we don't want to miss that. See, I think a lot of, uh, of people, including myself, would be much more comfortable going into the clean and cozy house, right? But that's not actually where Jesus was spending his time. One of the things that we, uh, just so you know, it's a lot quieter in this sanctuary than normal for me. <laughs> Let me tell you why. We, um, we have a, a recovery ministry because in our community, 
in the Kern County uh, of California, there is the methamphetamine use in that community is the highest per capita in nearly the entire state, but certainly within the county. And so the Kern County Sheriff's Department contacted me about a year ago, a pastor, and said, hey, can we start a faith-based recovery movement in this town? The Sheriff's Department wanted common ground with the church. Yeah. Yeah. And so here we are, we're doing these, these meetings, and man, people just start coming out of the woodwork, which is a Larry Zabel thing that he used to say, my grandpa, right? So people just started coming out from all places because we were not judging them for their methamphetamine abuse. They would just show up to this place, and, and I would actually publicly say, hey, if you're on methamphetamines, this is a safe place for you. Drugs, alcohol, here's the, you can be here. This is safe. It's a little bit different for a lot of people, and a lot of people weren't comfortable with that. But man, things started to happen. And there's this, why I said it was quiet, was we come from, a, like, it's primarily a, a white and Hispanic community, and we have one awesome black guy in our community, and he goes to our church, and I'm so pumped about that, because he makes our services so interesting. So this guy, he says, in the middle of one of these recovery services, with a lot of felons and people who have just you know, had their life turn around or are trying to. He gets all excited and he's doing his Michael thing. He's like, that's right, Neil. That's right, Neil. And it's kind of like everybody's looking around like, is this really happening right now? My sister, you know, is kind of an affluent person and she shows up to one of these things and she's like, what's going on? I would love, honestly love to go to Michael's hometown and preach at one of his churches. That'd be so fun. So he, he actually, he says in the middle of this recovery service, he says, get on the wall, pastor. Well, we're at a recovery service, so immediately I do exactly what everyone else did and assume the position. (laughs) Like, oh no, right? Like, oh, I mean, people are ducking. It was like, what is going on? Get on the wall, okay. So what it, honestly, all it meant was keep saying what you're saying because you're onto something. That's all it meant. I thought, I thought we, yeah, anyway. God has a good plan for his church. And that good plan does not just mean attending a service. But that good plan means living out the very DNA that he put you on this earth for. And he wants to send us out in that type of a passion. But that puts us at a point of decision, honestly. There, uh, last year, there was a, an awesome pastor that I got to spend a full day with by the name of Wayne Cordero. My pastor, new pastor Wayne, and he was like the Michael Jordan of, of Christianity in my eyes. He wasn't Jesus, but he was like, he was a really awesome dude. And I want, he read his books, got to sit with him, and he's a passionate leader. And we were having, uh, we come from the four square denomination, so there was some turmoil in the family. I don't know about you, but our family over the years and generations has had so much in the way of brokenness and trouble and divorce and struggle happen. And so Pastor Wayne is seeing that that's going on inside the Foursquare family and he looks me in the eyes from across this table over lunch and he says, Neil, we do not have time to waste. I'm so thankful though that we have grace that's new every morning, but we do not have time to waste because we have one life to live and we have a big mission out there. So we need to get on board with the mission. We can't waste our time with the family dysfunction. Let's go. And I was like, and that was the game winning shot right there. That was awesome. Scripture says this 
And this is the point of, of decision for us. In Matthew 16, scripture says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Do you hear a barrier there? See, it's wonderful to build crowds, and we should, and Jesus did. He drew huge crowds, but then he brought them to a point of decision and said, hey, if you really want to live out this calling and this plan and walk with me in a commissioned way, then it says, then you then, if you want to save your life, you have to lose your life or lay your life down. And when you lay or lose your life down for my sake, you're going to find life like never before. And it's the greatest promise that comes from scripture. And so we are at a point where we need decision. I want to tell you a story. I had an awesome aunt, my mom's sister, older sister. Her, her name uh, was Christy. From the time I was about eight, nine years old, she earned the title of weird auntie. <laughs> she was so interesting. She um, she was saved in the church that we now pastor at the age of 16. And from there, um, she took off to Los Angeles to, to make her way, not before bringing our family, uh, truly, my mom, my dad, uh, to uh, Christ. So she was this pioneering woman. She takes off, she moves to, uh, to Los Angeles. She marries a man by the name of Johnny Rivers, who was the Secret agent man singer, right? Secret. That's Uncle Johnny. Aunt Christy met and married Johnny Rivers. Well, that didn't work out. And um, <laughs> they had three children, my cousins. Well, she, uh, she lives her life and earns the title Weird Auntie because she, she one time pulled up to our house and was going to drive, drive us up here to Montana. And she had this tarp over the back of her truck and goats in the back. And she says to Cody and I, my brother and I, hey, jump in the back. We're headed to Montana. Legal? No. Awesome? Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Drive all the way up. We stop at every little pond and dig for crawdads. I mean, she was a bullfrog, diving, grabbing, crawdad-eating woman who was awesome, right? She also struggled. As much as she was used by God, she struggled with alcoholism more than most people I've ever seen. She was the same woman who when I was in that woman's womb, prayed for me and said, Becca, I believe you have a pastor in here. I forgot about that. Mom told me that when I was a kid. At about the age of 20, God reminded me. God's plans are so much bigger than we get. There's a sovereign picture that he weaves for our life in a tapestry that we could never create. And you're a part of that plan. She was, she was uh, one additional weird piece is she chewed Copenhagen. <laughs> Says on the can it satisfies, she believed it, she swallowed it. <laughs> I'm making light of it, but we would joke like this. Um, she lost her life to esophagus cancer as an alcoholic. Her last few months of her life, I passed a book on to her um, written by a gentleman named Brennan Manning who also struggled with alcoholism but was used by God in mighty ways. And he wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. And this book that he um, wrote, I put in her hands because here was her feeling. She felt like the biggest failure in the world. I don't know if you can relate to that, but I certainly can. 
where she just felt like she was never making the right choices and that her sin was way bigger and her failure was way bigger than the good that she ever did on this earth. And that was a lie because I am a byproduct of that goodness. And my kids are. So there's this moment where I think I should send her a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. And she gets this book and she's sitting at the last days of her life and she's weeping in this chemotherapy area. And, uh, and there's a 92-year-old Jewish woman sitting right over here. She calls me right after this moment happens. And she says, uh, she says, Neil, you will never believe God's grace. It's so big. It's so big. I was just sharing this. You know, I was crying and crying and crying. This 92-year-old woman came and sat by me. And she said, sweetheart, what are you crying for? And she said, I've just discovered God's grace in a new way. And she shared that grace with that Jewish woman who at that moment accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, which if you know much about Jewish women at 92, that is extremely rare, right? I don't, I've never actually met a Jewish woman at 92, but I hear that's rare. So, um, so the truth of, of where we're at I want to have you put up uh, that slide for me, if you would. She wrote a, a note to me, um, her three children and her husband on her deathbed. And that was actually her handwriting right there. I just pulled that back out recently. She said this, dear nephew, somehow I might have helped you come to God, question mark, but you have helped me come to grace. And there is a huge load of that. I love you so, weird auntie. I told you, that was her hand. <laughs> Romans 5, I looked that up and it says this, where sin and failure increase, grace increases all the more. And when she started to realize that she cannot out-sin God's grace, it changed her entire way of life. It became this common ground to her that was like, oh, man, you know what, Grace? This is a definition you may have heard before. There's nothing that you or I can do to be loved by God anymore. No amount of church attendance, no amount of Bible reading or prayer times can cause God to love you anymore. But there's a, there's a reciprocate of that. There is nothing that you or I can do to be loved by God any less. That's Grace. And it's amazing. And she discovered it in those moments. I love how she wrote, no excuse. Because a lot of people use that grace as a license, right? But not when you really understand grace. When you really understand grace, it's like, oh, there's no, I'm, I get it, Jesus, I get it. And so she goes on to say some of the most profound words to me. He alone can call you to do what you would do. You need to hear that too. He alone, he's positioned you to do we're blessed to have common ground. Jesus and grace, the ultimate bridge builder who broke the barriers to bring us the unconditional love that only God in heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, who knows you every, uh, every time you stand or sit, he knows your thoughts from afar, he knows every detail of your life, and he loves you just the same. If not for that, Jesus and grace, where would we lie? Where would we be? I love this. You answer, Neil. It's a continued sentence. One that I will do my very best 
to write until the day I breathe my last. And that plan, I'm not special. That plan's there for you and for this church and for the way that God will use this church through you. There is no better way to spend your days than living and partnering with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Can I pray with you guys? As you bow your heads, uh, I want to give an opportunity today. Uh, Maybe you've sat in a church service literally God knows how many times, but you're at a point where you want to know that grace. You, maybe you've been struggling on the alcoholism side, or maybe it's, it's other things that you've been struggling with. It's relationship things, but I can promise you this. The God of all the universe wants relationship with you, and it's authentic and real. It's not made up, and it's not tradition. So if you're in that place where you're you know, more of a long-time person, and you're saying, hey, I want, a, I want to repent for misusing God's grace, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And I don't want any hands raised for this one. You know uh, where you're at and who you are. You just have to acknowledge that before God. Um, But let me pray for you. God, I, I thank you for being here with this journey family this morning. I thank you for every person here. I pray for those of us who have been in the church for a long time, who maybe default to the side of judgment more than any other thing. And so God, I pray that we would not be a judgmental people, but we'd be a people who give grace and live in grace. Thank you, Lord, for that. I want to invite you to pray uh, actually out loud with me as a whole church, and I'll lead you in that prayer. If you're a Christian in this room, please pray this prayer with conviction. Lord Jesus, today I submit to you I ask you, forgive my sin. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I accept your grace, and I'll do my best to live and follow you. You're the king, and I'll be your servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, awesome. Good things are in store. Good things are in store for this uh, church family. This is my wife, Amy. We close services typically where, we're, um, where we pastor with something called a declaration. The service is not over yet, but um, we wanted to leave you with a declaration. And this is what it simply is, is it's a statement of faith that God's bringing about change in your life. You know, in Proverbs, it says that life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. And what that simply means is if we want to speak negative and talk trash, guess what we get to eat? Garbage. Garbage. Thank you, honey. So, but if we want to speak life, then life then ensues. And so we have to direct our our mouths where we want our lives to go. So we want to encourage you with that. And Amy, if you'd lead us in that declaration. Of course. Would you guys mind standing with us? You can just repeat after me, but I want you to repeat this strong and loud, not like the first service, who was a little bit timid, so let's outdo them. 
Give him a Michael That's declaration. Right. <laughs> All right, I declare. I declare. I will be a person of peace. I will be a person of peace. I will give grace abundantly. I will give grace abundantly. I will not be judgmental. I will not be judgmental. And in everything I will show love. And in everything I will show love. This is my declaration. This is my declaration. Thank you. Thanks for having us today. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.